We are going to pick up in uh, Mark chapter 11. And uh, we have an interesting series of topics that come up in this portion of Scripture. And in the book of Mark, in the book of Luke, in Matthew, and John, they seem to have this sequence that flows together. And at first glance, at first glance, you will read it and think, oh, my goodness, how, do, how does this any make sense? Uh, or how does it relate to each other? I, I somehow, it's kind of like when I asked my wife, what are we having for dinner? And uh, she says, well, I was down at Safeway, and, uh, and I ran into Jenny. And, of course, Jenny was telling me about her daughter, and her daughter was going ahead across the state. And somehow she ties it into we're having chicken for dinner. And, uh, and it all makes sense once she explains it. And I think that that's sometimes uh, how a wife, uh, a woman speaks, and a man is really, all we want to know is, is there meat or what's there? And, and Jesus seems to be a little bit more sensitive. Uh, he somehow talks the way that my wife would talk, and he kind of, kind of goes around, but all, every single thing and every single portion of the Scripture is related, and it's important that we understand that in order to stand, understand the text. So in Mark chapter 11, we're going to start in verse uh, 11. And matter of fact, let's go, down, let's go down to verse 13. Let's start there. And seeing at a distance a fig tree in leaf, he went to see if perhaps he would find anything on it. And when he came in, he found nothing but leaves, for it was not the season for the figs. And he answered and he said to it, May no one ever eat from you again. And his disciples were listening. They heard that. Now, before we go on, I think it's really interesting because sometimes we can say, what's, what's the deal? The poor tree doesn't uh, bear fruit. And he commands it and it withers. But I want you to catch the picture here and, and see the context of this. With a fig tree, and if any of you know anything about fig trees, uh, a fig tree will usually bear its fruit, the figs, even before the leaves. So when the leaves are present, it's telling you that we have fruit here for you. And it's interesting because Jesus answers the fig tree. Do you notice that? He answers the fig tree. So therefore, the fig tree said something to him. And the fig tree said this, I am bearing fruit. I am bearing fruit for you to eat. So Jesus being hungry, the other verse says he was hungry, so he stopped by and there was no fruit. And as you'll see, uh, as we look here and as we go on in the passages, he withers, he says, nobody will eat from you again. I want you to start thinking this way as we, every, as we go through the rest of the passages. It was declaring a leaf. It was, it was a leaf that was declaring, this is who I am, and I'm declaring something to you, but the fig tree was lying. It was falsely declaring itself. This happens so often, I, I think, in the religious world, the Christian world. I think so often we are so interested in what the fig looks like, the flower, the blooming flower that usually tells you there's fruit there, and we're so interested that the people see the fig or the flower, we're not really that concerned about the fruit. This was all about the fruit. Jesus did not take much delight in, in those declaring the fruit by the leaves. And, and I think so often uh, we do that. We, we have this Christian leaf that we wear. And uh, you've probably heard the phrases many, many times about uh, 
well, you should, pull your, you should drive your car into him because he's a Christian. Frankly, to me, that doesn't make me that interested in pulling my car in. Sometimes it makes me want to go somewhere else sometimes because just because we declare they're a Christian, I'm not that interested in that he's a Christian, a leaf, if he's not bearing the fruit. As a car mechanic, I want a good one. I want a good car mechanic. Signs that'll come up and say, Christian, this guy's a Christian, and they have Christian books. That's fine if the leaf is bearing fruit. But what you're seeing here is he is showing there are so many religious people, there are so many people that are, have the leaf of Christianity that bear no fruit. Matter of fact, they're dormant. There's no fruit being born. We go on further, and it says, And they came to the Jerusalem, and he entered the temple, and began to cast out those that were buying and selling in the temple. And he overturned the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who were selling doves. And he did not permit anyone to carry goods through this temple. And he began to teach and say to them, Is it not written, My house shall be called a house of prayer for all the nations, but you have made it a robber's den. And the chief priests and the scribes heard of it, and they began seeking how to destroy him, for they were afraid of him, for all the multitudes were astonished at his teaching. Now, make sure you understand something. In the Old Testament, it was not against the rule to sell things in the temple. There was a purpose for them to sell things in the temple. And that was, the idea was when people came in to sacrifice at that time, they sacrificed different things. And if you didn't have a lot of money, it says that you could actually use a dove and you could sacrifice a dove. Well, what was going on is the people were out here buying their doves and buying some things at a fairly reasonable price. They'd walk through the door and come in through the door and the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the scribes would meet them there and say, let's see your sacrifice. And they'd say, oh, no way. He isn't going to listen to your prayers with this sacrifice. He says, you need, to, you need to buy a real a dove that's pure, that God will honor it so your prayers can be. And they used the scriptures to talk about a pure dove. And so they would say, okay, then he would go in the back and he'd pull out of the cage another dove. And he'd bring it out there and then he'd charge them absorbent amounts for that dove. And he'd say, well, Let's see your dove. We need to throw this out. He'd take it in the back, and he'd put it in the cage for the next person. They were doing this. They were robbing God's people. It wasn't that they were selling and trying to do this. They were selling under the pretense that we're doing good. We got these leaves, these big leaves, but there was no fruit whatsoever reflecting who God was and what kind of God he was. It was simply for their own gain. That's why they became so upset at him. He was destroying their future in your economy by shining a light on who they were. And he goes into this in pretty much detail throughout the rest of this chapter, but I want us to stop and look at something here that is interesting. Jeremiah 7, 1 through 11, talks about these robbers, these thieves, and he said, you're, you're making my temple a place of robbers rather than a place of prayer. And he, and he says, why? And he says, because you're, you're unjustly taking and robbing my, my people, the poor. You're murdering their reputation. And so you, you look on the outside like you have all this flowery fruit, but inside there is no fruit. Now, if you remember what was our definition of fruit, 
our definition of fruit and God's definition of fruit is that the outward appearance, the outward fruit would be a reflection of the inward nature of whatever that was. So for you and me, if the inward nature is the life of Christ, then the fruit is the outward expression of his life, which is characterized by overflowing loving kindness and the fruits of the Spirit. You go into a restaurant and you see somebody over there and their, their, leaf, is, their leaf is out shining. And they got little uh, leaves and they got little flowers and they're going to make sure that everybody notices that they're bowing the head and praying and they, they make sure that people notice them and they, that's the leaf, but you watch the way they treat the waiter or the waitress. And you watch the way they tip the waiter and the waitress who are just trying to make a living. And they rob them is what it's saying. And this is what he's talking about. He's not talking necessarily about just the, the religious thing. He's talking about getting into the hearts of men and women where you and I live. And he's saying, do not wear this, this fruit, I mean this leaf, this leafy little Christian leaf, if you're not bearing the fruit. And the fruit is bearing the very life of Christ. God says to, to his disciples who were really confused, and they said, how do we know? How do we know which one belonged to you? And he said, those that I have loving kindness towards one another are my true disciples. Look at the fruit that's being born. Is it reflecting the nature of the one that indwells you? You have these evangelists, and, and uh, I, I, I so wish I could go back to 40-some years ago when I came to faith, and I was so excited about this God that could come and inhabit my body, because I never knew that. I, I went to a religious church. I just didn't know that I could actually have the living God live inside me, and when I found that out, I was so overjoyed. I just was telling everybody about it. Uh, I, I think I was bruising a lot of people. I didn't, I didn't know what I was talking about, uh, but I was definitely wanting people to have it, and, and I was excited about telling people about Christ. But as the, the more I grew and more I grew, what God was saying here is saying, what is way more important to me is what kind of fruit are you presenting to these people, not so much that you're declaring these words of the gospel. I don't know if you guys are like me, and, and maybe by the time you're done, your rep, my reputation will be a little bit destroyed here, but if I go to a hotel, and I remember I'd go through the hotels playing baseball, and we'd stay in the hotels, and I'd surf the channels on the TV. And, you know, when you're surfing the channels on a TV in a hotel, you can come across some pretty yucky stuff, and you can come across some pretty raunchy stuff. But never did I quickly pass over any channel more than I did with the TV evangelist. It just turned my stomach. I'd hit that channel, and that doesn't mean all TV evangelists are doing this, and I think you know what I mean. But there are TV evangelists that are robbing people, that are declaring things that are not true, and they put people under the law and motivate people by guilt and say, you're going to do this, or this might happen to you, and you're sick because this happened, and they're all wanting you to send you their money. And basically, those are the people that he was turning the table over on. These are the people that he went in, and he flipped their tables because he, they were robbing his children. They held the leaf of a Christian, but there was no fruit. Do we do it in our prayer life? 
God says, I do not want your prayers. As a matter of fact, your prayers are not even acceptable into my ears if you're not bearing the fruit that reflects my life. He even says, your prayers are an abomination to me. Are you the Christian spouse? You know, you got the leaf of a spouse? Well, are you bearing the fruit of a spouse, of a husband? Are you laying down your life for your wife? Are you knowing that God has given that wife to you, not for the purpose to meet your needs, but for you to raise her up and present her before God, holy and acceptable, and protect her? Is that the fruit that you're bearing? Or are you just wearing the flag, I'm a Christian husband? My parent. Declare yourself as a Christian parent and make sure that in public you look like a parent, but at home, are you giving yourself to those children? Are you getting down and are they becoming a priority in your life? Because in your parenting, they begin to see the fruits of the Spirit. Or are we just wearing the leaf, the green leaf? We're Christians. How about a boss? Your business. What this is a, hey, you should go there. They're Christians. I don't know that that's where I want to go yet till I see the fruit we had a this week was an interesting week my sister who's here and my brother came and we were going through all of my mom's things because she passed away and uh, so we're just going through and trying to kind of honor each other's uh, process of grieving and we grieve so differently but there was one situation that came up I thought it was really incredible and my sister makes a suggestion that we have a car and, uh, that my mom had. And uh, we first ask, anybody want this car? No. And she says, I have an awesome idea. Why don't we give that car, give that car to this person? And I mean, right away, we all agreed. What a great idea. This person, this would absolutely be awesome for him. So we got excited to give this car. And we, uh, we go out, and, and I go out to first start because we're excited. We're going to take the car down, get it clean. And I... Oh, the battery's dead. The battery's dead. So we try to, Joe and I, not that mechanical, we try to go ahead and find out, number one, where the battery is in this car. And, uh, and uh, we're looking and said, do you find it? I can't find it. Do you know where it is? Well, we, we finally found it, and we actually jumped it. We got it down, and we brought it. And, and we both had the same thought. We're bringing this to somebody that whoever we buy the battery, they're going to come out and put it in because we don't want to do it and don't know how to do it very well. And so we go to one place. They say, oh, here's a battery. I said, can you guys put it in? Nope. All right, we'll see you. We went and went, and then finally we came to a place. that They said, yep, we got a battery. And I said, can you put it in? They said, oh, sure, I'll have uh, Johnny back here put it in for you. So we go back, and we're, we're waiting, you know, for Johnny to put it in. Here comes Johnny. This is a, a big old guy. He's got grease all over his hands and his face, and and uh, he looks kind of a mess and stuff. And he walks back there, and he just kind of delighting himself. And, and he takes this out, and he's scraping his knuckles as he's putting in because he's, oh, this is kind of a tough place to get this battery. And my brother and I were just glad he's doing it. And the guy, the more that he stood there and did that, the more we began to realize, wow, this man is displaying the leaves, and they're consistent with the fruit. And I said to him, my brother, I said, this guy gets up every morning, probably 7 o'clock, comes in here, grinds like crazy, scraping his hands up and doing all this stuff, and then leaves to get home with a measly paycheck, and here we sit in our offices telling people what we think. 
said, who deserves the better pay here? This guy was displaying the fruit without all the different words that were out there. He was a genuine plant fig tree that was bearing the figs, and it stirred us to want to bless him. So when we got all done, we walked around the back, and we decided, let's just give him an extra blessing and stick some money in his pocket. It wasn't that we were so kind. It's that he basically reflected the fruit of Christ, which stimulated in us a desire to love in return. That's the fruit. That's the fruit. The Bible says that you cannot say that you love God and hate your brother. You cannot say that you love God and treat poorly your brother. And so I I ask you as we talk about this today and as we go through down in the rest of this passage, he talks about that they began to pray. And he said, whenever you do pray, truly I say to you, whatever you say to the mountain, it'll be taken up and cast in the sea. Because these disciples have just been marveled that that tree withered. And he goes on and tells them about prayer. Therefore I say to you, all things for which you pray, ask, believe, and you will have received them. And they shall be granted to you key thing here at the end. And whenever you stand praying, forgive. If you have anything against anyone, forgive. First service, Pat was here, and I said one of the things Pat and I have come to the conclusion, at least with our small little minds, is we believe that forgiveness is one of the key expressions of fruit of love. I don't think anybody can truly enter into love and loving kindness and the fruits of the Spirit without embracing forgiveness. And he says this. He said, listen, this whole thing ties together. You are declaring, tree, that you have fruit and you lied to me. You deceived me. You're declaring, scribes and Pharisees, that you're helping people worship. You're lying to me. You're robbing them. And you other people, you're out here in all of your prayers and being noticed by men. But I'm asking you this question, is the fruit of forgiveness coming out of you before you go into praying? Because if it's not, your fruit is not there. It is dead. So think about it. Anybody hurt you, anybody harmed you, anybody offended you, that you are unwilling to offer this loving fruit of forgiveness? If so, don't leave here today without dealing with it. The cool thing about the Christian life We can, in our closet by ourselves right now, we can walk away in our prayer life and say, Father, so-and-so has offended me. And therefore, God, they didn't know what they're doing completely. And I do know this. I've offended you far greater than you've ever been offended. And you granted me the freedom of forgiveness and released me and said, it is finished, Bill. I'll never hold that against you ever again. So, Father, I want to extend that same forgiveness to this person. And in your holy name, I extend forgiveness to that person and I remove that from them so that you and I can walk in harmony together. Is there anybody you need to do that for? Look and consider. We fake things. We we like to fake the Christian life. We we say that we're Christians and and behind it there's something different. I, I have a illustration came to me. We I have a friend that usually uh, we used to travel and, and we traveled together and we went down into the Bahamas and we were in a, a place and there was a hotel there, one of the fanciest hotels I've ever seen in my life. And we just said, let's walk in and uh, let's look in the hotel, just kind of walk through and see the beauty of the architecture of this hotel and be amazed by it. And my friend, who is not afraid to do anything, 
Uh, he's walking with me, and we're looking, we're looking the part. I mean, we, we've got the, you know, the linen pants on and the sandals, and we're looking the part. And so we peek into this room, and it is just overflowing with food and drink and beverages and, and people in there that we could tell kind of probably just came in on their yacht. And, uh, and somebody comes to the door, and we're thinking they're going to kick us out. And they said, oh, oh, sorry, this door, come in, gentlemen. So instantly, he and I went into role-playing. I looked at him, he looked at me, and we were now yacht owners. We walked in, and the guy said, can we get you anything? And I took the first chance of just trying it. I said, well, do you have any, like, uh, shrimp hors d'oeuvres? Be right out. So they run back, and they bring out shrimp hors d'oeuvres. Confession's good for the soul, but it isn't good for my reputation. But I, 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 we got that, and we just saw that they had fallen for this, and we had these leafs that we were carrying that we were leafs of yacht owners that belonged to this club. And it was awesome playing the game. My, our two wives were going nuts. They were so embarrassed, they sat down there grabbing books and looking this way, and, but we were in our role, we were in our element, and the guy goes, what can I mix you to drink? And matter of fact, Todd, I, I we'll make something to bring up to your room. What room are you in? And we both froze. <laughs> and rather than cover ourselves, we began to laugh, and we couldn't stop laughing. And so we grabbed our wives, and we headed out. And perfect example that we were pretending and faking to be yacht owners with no yacht, not even any knowledge of yachts. If they would ask me anything about a yacht or a boat, I wouldn't have known how to answer it. And it hit me when I was looking at this, what other ways do I do this? And, and the thing that came to me this last month while I was looking at this is, if you would look at me and if you would talk to me, I wear a pretty big leaf that I am a godly husband and that my wife is a high, high priority in my life. And I would declare that openly. If you see me in public, I will be doing all of those things that godly husbands do for a wife and opening the door and, and speaking kindly to her. But I have a saying that I think is a huge saying that I want you to take to heart. Proactivity, being proactive towards something is going to do something. It is going to tell you what you stand for, and proactivity is going to stand, tell you what you stand against. If you are not proactive in making things happen, you have this nice flowery leaf that's going on out there. People that say that I am, I'm this godly father and I want my children to grow up and I want them to be you know, raised in a godly home, I ask you this, have you proactively scheduled times that you will be with each of your children, pouring your life into them, not lecturing them, but playing with them, shooting guns with them, or doing whatever you do with them? Is that on your schedule? Because if it's not on your schedule, you're lying. You're lying. You're a fig tree with no fruit. You're just saying you are. Ask your question this to yourself. This isn't to bring condemnation. It's to bring you to an awareness of where you are and what you're proclaiming that may not be true. Well, I got hit in this because over the last six and a half, seven months, I've had, as you guys know, uh, my son's family living with us in a pretty small house. So we've had eight in the home. 
and uh, we've, we've done well. We, we've done way better than we you know, thought it was going to be, but I realized something when I was going through this is my wife, for some reason, has not developed the ability to say no to grandchildren. And so, therefore, I see the toll it takes on her, which, therefore, it takes on me. And somebody in this congregation found it, that they were listening to God, and they just basically said, Bill, there's no argument on this. We have a place for you to stay. We have tickets for you to get to the airplane. We want you to take your wife and get away just for a week. And uh, I said, well, he said, no, there's no wells about it. You need to do that. So we went ahead and we went and did that. And we were alone, and I realized we were literally thirsty, drinking in the freedom, the rest, the life, and getting to know each other again. This guy saw something I never saw. And God really taught me this because I was preparing this message. He said, Bill, how proactive are you in setting aside times to do this with your wife that tell you that she is a priority for you? Or are you just going to wear the leaf and not bear any fruit to really see it done? Does that make sense to you guys, what I'm saying? If you're going to be a godly parent, proactively put time in. It will not happen, I promise you, if you don't carve out and be proactive in putting time. A lot of you say, Who's, what's the number one thing in your life, the number one priority? Most of you would say God, your relationship with God. Are you proactive to make sure that that time each day you have set aside, nobody gets to interrupt it, but you and God are going to stand together. You're going to listen to him. He's going to listen to you, and you're going to grow in union with him. If not, I'm not condemning you. I'm just saying that might be a false leaf. You may not have the fruit because you're really not proactive in spending time with God. Wherever yours might be, I ask you to do this. The Holy Spirit would come, and he says, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. See if there be anything in me that I am wearing a leaf of Christianity, whether it's being a spouse, a godly spouse, a godly parent, a godly boss, a godly worker, a godly child, a godly preacher. Where's this leaf that's not bearing fruit? You know, I find it interesting that from the Old Testament of the Torah, and those are the first five books of the Old Testament, to the minor prophets, to the major prophets, to the Psalms, to the Proverbs, to the Gospels, to the books of the Epistles, and the book of Revelation, there is one consistent theme when people are confused and want to know from God who are those that belong to you. Do you know what he answers to every single one of those? All the ones that are having the longest quiet time. All the ones that are giving the most money. No, he doesn't answer it like that at all. He says, what I desire in a man, what I desire in a woman, loving kindness and loyalty. Loving kindness encircles the whole fruits of the Spirit. It is, the word means love that is filled with kindness and overflowing with mercy towards other people. He says, that's the ones that are my disciples. Remember in John 13, the disciples came to him and says, Father, we, we don't know, Rabbi, we don't know. How do we know we are yours? And he says, those that have love one for another, they are my disciples. The ones bearing the fruit, which is Christ's life and the fruits of the Spirit, 
Those are the true disciples. Those are the trees that are yelling out to God, come, take of me, eat of me. And he comes and he grabs the, the figs and he eats them with pleasant joy. That's what God gets. I just ask you today as we close to ask yourself this question. God, I know that I can notice other people's empty fruit because it's easy for us to always notice other people. They say things, but their fruit is not there. They're cruel and mean to people, and yet they're declaring this holiness. I have a dear, dear friend that's in politics, uh, way high up in the politic, uh, politics, and I said, boy, must be kind of hard getting nasty letters, uh, you know, because I thought of all the stuff that's going on in politics, and he said, oh, nothing compares with the Christians writing me the letters of just, just terrible, nasty letters. I said, that is a shame. That's a shame. They wear the fruit that they're these Christians, and yet they de despise their brother. Matter of fact, there's a verse that says, he that will condemn my righteous ones are, is the same that he that will encourage the wicked man to increase being wicked. So what's the fruit like? Ask God to show you where you have a leaf that is not bearing fruit. Not so that you can condemn yourself, because there is no condemnation for all those in Christ Jesus, but so you can identify it, and it will lead to a godly sorrow like this did with me, with my wife, a godly sorrow that turns to repentance and then causes me to be proactive to make sure that I am going to make sure she's a priority in the ways that we get alone, and I'm going to make sure that I put it proactively on a schedule. That's what I ask you to do, so if you'd pray with me. Father, I, I know that wherever we turn in Scripture, this is a common theme. You said there are those that hold to a form of godliness. They hold a banner up of religion, and yet they deny the very power of your life and your love in them. It is a disgrace. I apologize for us as a Christian people. Lord, I'm not amazed at what the world hates the religious people because we have not presented you and your life and your love to them. We presented a bunch of judgmental laws and rules that condemn them. We repent from that. But would you show us in our own life how we are just holding out the leaf of Christianity? Let our fruit bear fruit. You told us that we cannot bear fruit unless we abide in the vine. So unless we abide in you, Father, it is an impossible thing to do. But I give you full permission in my life to bring to light how I represent and reflect that tree. And I pray, Father, that it will start, as you said it should start, with forgiveness to anybody that has bring offense against me. And then let the kindness and love of your life flow through me in such a way that people will be drawn to you. And I trust that you're going to accomplish it because you said we could ask for it. In Jesus' name, amen.